0: Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're joining us today with our guest, Mark Roberts. He is an advanced practitioner, almost finished fourth series, and speaking with him got me thinking a little bit about the different stages we go through as practitioners, especially when you practice over a long period of time. In the beginning, when we come to the Ashtanga Yoga practice in particular, there's a lot of enthusiasm for the asanas. This goal of attaining different asanas or completing series keep us coming back day after day to our mat and keep us inspired and working really hard towards new physical attainments and this has a lot of benefits because we start to gain some benefits in our mind a calmer clearer mental state we feel happier our mood feels elevated Um, we also usually gain things like better immunity and our nervous system becomes more balanced. However, after some time, what can happen is we start to lose the enthusiasm for postures, for asanas. And we maybe want to go into a little bit more of the subtle aspects of the practice. We want to go into the deeper areas of the yoga? And how can we still attain these benefits like reduced anxiety, elevated mood, um, good digestion, improved sleep quality? How can we attain all of these things without having a really strong, hard, physical asana practice driving us? And this is where I believe the fourth limb of yoga comes in, the pranayama, the expansion or extension of the prana, where we really start to tap into the subtle body and the movement of energy in the body using the breath. This is why I'm so passionate about the course that I've created called Ancient Breathing 2.0, where students will develop the tools and the skills needed to dive deeper into their yoga practice using Techniques like kriyas, the cleansing actions, as well as pranayama exercises or breathing exercises. And we'll learn the connection between Ayurveda, the doshas, the vata, pitta, or kapha, and how they relate to specific pranayama breathing exercises. And by the end of the course, students will develop their own pranayama practice that is specifically suited to their personal constitution. So if you've been thinking that it's time for you to dive deeper into the other limbs of yoga and specifically develop a regular breathing practice in addition to your daily asana practice, then this course is definitely for you. Pranayama will help to enhance your feelings of balance, increase your health. It will lessen tension and bring a calm, relaxed state to your mind with more clarity and focus. I wanted to make these classes accessible to people in all different time zones So I'll be having live classes on Saturdays, which will be Sunday morning in Australia and Asia, and then also Sunday mornings. Uh, If you're living in North America, you'll have two times that you could join, Saturday afternoons or Sunday mornings. And for Europe and Asia and Australia, it will be on Sunday mornings. So if you're interested, you can head on over to my website, harmonyslater.com. You'll see a button there for Ancient Breathing 2.0. And when you register, Before May 1st, you will receive the bonus modules of the mudras and advanced practices where we will look at mudras in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika as well as some advanced pranayama practices and the Ashtanga Yoga Lineage Pranayama practice as well. We will talk about that and go over it. So it's a wonderful course filled with lots of information. You get lifetime access to all of the video content and classes with me so you can continue to learn and deepen your Pranayama practice as we move forward. One other class you might be interested in is my free masterclass, that will be offered on breathing exercises and techniques, simple ways that you can just begin a breathing practice if you're new. This is good for people of all ages and all levels, especially if they're not even yoga practitioners yet. These are simple exercises and ways that they can start to develop a breathing practice without any past experience of yoga at all. So you can find that information also on my website, harmonyslater.com. So I hope you'll join me. I'd love to work with you and help you deepen your knowledge of yoga and the yoga practices and work on the pranayama with you in these courses or in the free masterclass. But without further ado, I will Move on to our episode today with Mark Roberts. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're tuning in today. I'm here with Russell.
1: As it turns out, today I'm the the uh, worst looking of the three people on the podcast. (laughs) Which is normal, but it's it's (laughs) certainly underlined today.
0: That's because we're here with the very Talented and handsome Mark Roberts. <laughs> We're
2: married. <laughs> you and I. You, oh. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Good, hi, how many? Hi, Russell. I'm doing uh, good. It's good. so nice That's, you
0: could join us today.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks for inviting me. And thanks for such an introduction.
1: <laughs> I, I have my own. I have my own interview. Um,
0: interview? Are you going to just talk to yourself today? In, it's
1: an intro. It's an intro. <laughs> I have my own intro. Um, Mark has been. Mark Roberts has been a devoted student of yoga since 1997. He's been fortunate enough to learn from many of the world's great masters. 2010, he became one of the few students worldwide to be certified in the Ashtanga Yoga Method. It's widely understood that he is the
2: best looking man in our community
1: <laughs> has that been a burden for you mark
2: <laughs> that's not saying much for our, the men in our community I think. <laughs> <laughs> well you it is a low think, bar Russell, isn't it? No, yeah yeah you're, you're forgetting the two johnny Depp's in our community who are they? What,
1: do, there's, there's Johnny. Um, Johnny oh.
2: Yeah, Arne. First it was Arne and then Johnny oh. came and took the title of Johnny Depp off Arne. The real Johnny. Johnny. Hag? or yes. Yeah, Johnny Hag, Johnny Hag the yeah. Johnny Depp. They're, you know, they've got like little. I can't. They're in. They're in another league. I can't compete with those guys.
1: They've got like little girl faces, you know, (laughs) like that appeal to like twelve-year-old girls, you know. They kind and they don't like twelve-year-old girls. What they're most frightened of is like real men, like you. Got a real (laughs) man's face, but still blonde and blue-eyed. It's the perfect mixture.
0: Brad, the Brad Pitt. It's the
2: fucking Brad Pitt thing, and that's yeah. Peter Sanson was the Brad Pitt
0: no i think you're a little more brad pitty brad pitt was
1: the russell crow <laughs> of our community oh
0: peter sanson was yeah. the russell crow yeah, that's, true. Yeah, that's, that's true that's right. true yeah yeah you're definitely the brad pitt peter would definitely be russell crow
3: yeah
0: and uh johnny Hag, would... i think would definitely take the johnny depp
3: and
1: i was like the will of ferrell of our community <laughs> <laughs>
0: Russell.
3: Russell's like the Russell. Will Ferrell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's got the, you know, muffin top and the curly hair. And it's like, yeah, that's the combination that I'm going for. But
2: he's funny and you're funny. So there you yeah. go. Thank you. It Thank goes you. a long way in this world. It does. <laughs> <laughs>
1: many, many girls will tell you. Um, <laughs> where 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 are you
2: today? Today I'm in Hyderabad, which is Hyderabad. in South India.
1: Why are you there?
2: No. Uh, so we came here uh, March 12 last year um, Mm. in a kind of a panic because well, our intention was to have the baby here but uh, we were sitting nicely in Bali taking our time and then suddenly COVID hit and we got this message that the borders were closing and you know March 12 was the last day to get back into India so we frantically got tickets and flew here and made it in before midnight and then we've and been we, here ever since by we you we mean means- uh, Deepika yes
1: yeah oh see I think of you as a kind of giant in our community and I didn't have any idea who <laughs> Deepika was until our interview but she's actually like like super oh, she's famous
2: a- yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, no totally. idea <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm nothing in comparison to her over here in India <laughs>
1: In Canada, I'm Seriously? also nothing in comparison to harmony. That's, uh... <laughs> That's
2: amazing. No, you're not Indian, though. Oh, really? <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you've done your research.
1: <laughs> has, that, has that been a, a struggle for you, not being Indian?
2: It, uh, in what sense?
1: In, it, well, in my ethnicity, you know, we have to study Hebrew for two years before we can become Jewish. I mean, is that something that you had to do? Are you Sikh now? What did you? Uh,
2: No, I mean, Deepika is not a Sikh, although she has Sikh bloodline. Um, She's Hindu. Oh, she Um, is. Yeah. We didn't really touch on that in our interview. She is. An interesting little fact here is that her one part of her bloodline is related directly to Guru Nanak, who is the, if you're not aware, is the guru of the Sikh, tradition she yeah, mentioned so she's, that. Ac- yeah. she's actually related to guru nanak um but uh, yeah her family is hindu oh but um no i i didn't have to become hindu i i mean from my experience of hinduism and like w- what i've been through with the family is that it's very open like even we had a hindu uh ceremony marriage ceremony mm-hmm. um even though i'm I guess I'm born Catholic, but I would consider myself more agnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there was no problem with me marrying into a Hindu family.
0: And you uh, walked yeah. around the fire and did the whole the whole thing?
2: Yeah, you did, did the whole thing, yeah, the ancient Vedic ritual.
0: That's mm-hmm. amazing.
2: Yeah. That were you in India? Experience. Yeah, we had the wedding in Kerala.
0: Oh
2: nice. We, we chose Kerala just because it seemed like a, a good uh, place for all you know my family and friends could could come to India and because Kerala was sort of accessible and yeah. comfortable. We we rented a hotel there.
0: And was it near the beach area?
2: It was not at the beach, it was more inland it was by a river.
0: Oh nice. Mm. Beautiful.
2: I we th- actually thought about
0: doing in Mysore, but that didn't happen. No. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. It's nice to have your own private ceremony. And you've spent many years in India, so you're you're kind of an adopted citizen. Son.
1: Adopted, yes. adopted son. Yeah. Adopted yeah. son
0: of Mother so, of yeah. Mother India. Yeah.
1: Do you that's did you, do you remember meeting her parents? Was it was that was that awkward?
2: Um Kind. I mean, I don't remember exactly the first time, but uh, it's actually not surprisingly not too awkward. They're very, very loving and accepting people. They, you know, they welcome me from the first day.
3: Nice.
1: Oh, that's and nice. So I,
2: yeah, I was, I was very lucky in that way. I mean, because you hear those stories, right, about the, the the traditional Indian parents and how difficult it can be for the future son-in-law. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was not my experience at all. I was very, very fortunate. Oh, well, I am very fortunate in that sense.
1: That's interesting. I, I'd been flying up to Canada for like 18 months before um, Harmony's father uh, understood that I was heterosexual. <laughs> it was a total surprise to him. It was, <laughs> and he was uh, no
2: idea. Um, you, so you're. You're, an, you're Australian, then. So you're I, a bit like Chandler from Friends, then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
1: <that's, laughs> yeah. Any any person that you can think of that's that that seems gay but isn't that's I'm that guy of our Ashtanga
2: yoga community. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, I, I have, think I'm
2: not. Yeah, sorry. Can no, no, Yeah. Please, I was we'll just edit this say, out. And, yeah. yeah. I'm sure when, like, just during this lockdown, I think we've watched Friends, like, and on repeat, like, so three times or something. Oh, man. And I feel like we're not the only ones. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, of binge watching happening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, there is. We've seen
1: every show now. Yeah. Uh, we watched Arrested Development a couple of times. Yeah. There's a there's a guy there, Tobias Funke on Arrested Development, played by David Cross, who yeah. um, is the spitting image of my brother, but is, is the very closeted on the show. <laughs> and I keep thinking that he's like like me a great deal. Um, <laughs> so you you grew up in Australia. I have this idea that. Australia is is just a lot like Neighbors. It's like a normal <laughs> suburban life mixed with like surfing, but like really deadly insects, like East Enders yeah. but with killing spiders. Is that is that basically your childhood?
2: I mean, it is in a sense we, you know, like we have the funnel web spider which is a deadly spider. And, you know, we just find those in the swimming pool all the time.
3: Oh, my you know, God. In the garden all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you do? How do you capture it?
2: Uh, I mean, the funnel webs, usually they kind of, they, they commit suicide by going to the pool. So just to, <laughs> you just have to.
0: You just have to wait long enough.
2: Yeah, wait long enough for them to drown themselves kind of thing. Um, oh so, yeah, we funnel webs, we don't, I mean, yeah, there are definitely snakes
3: mm-hmm. more
2: in the bush rather than not necessarily in your backyard, but it depends where in Australia you live, you know, and then well, yeah, crocodiles, bushes. great, you know, sharks, of course. Yeah. Did yeah, you, did you so.
1: swim a lot growing up? Were you on the coast? I mean, I think everything in Australia I, that's livable is on the coast, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. So I did swim a lot um but i grew up i'd say it was probably half an hour drive from the beach so uh, i didn't so uh, you know you probably i know you're going to think that i grew up surfing but i didn't actually uh, so I, I didn't start surfing till my late teens uh, i was going to say i wish i had have started surfing when i was three or four but unfortunately that was not uh you know my dad was more into traditional uh sports cricket rugby all that kind of stuff so i grew up playing all those kind of sports
1: was that near sydney or or did like everyone else watching
2: neighbors you hated melbourne so So that that's a kind of a funny story like sydney side is actually we don't really care like what the melbourneites think (laughs) they're the ones that are jealous of sydney right we know (laughs) we've got the harbor and the beaches so we're like we're cool we know sydney's the best but the, the people from melbourne are all like no 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 we've got the culture we've got the cafes and all that kind of stuff hey. so they're like you can you can have the cafes we've got the beach and the harbors we're cool with that <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so when you were a teenager and you started surfing what what happened there where did you have friends that were surfing and you started going with them
2: yeah yeah i had friends were surfing and I guess um, I'm not sure exactly how I got that sort of that fire got lit, but I think it was always there growing up in Australia, especially in the um, eighties, Australia really dominated the surfing world. So we had, Mm -hmm. there were so many legends uh, I guess that we kind of like it, you know, it was just part of our national culture was surfing was part of it. Mm -hmm. So when I was old enough to be able to get to the beach, I think um, to drive, I think. Mm-hmm. So that would have been like 16, 17 when I was learning to drive and started to be able to get more access to the beach. So then I started surfing then.
0: Right.
1: The cricket and rugby. Those are sort of more posh sports, aren't they? <laughs> uh,
2: they are. Uh, yeah, I went to a private school. So, oh, fuck that's... you.
1: You're posh then. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah very posh. <laughs> but then I, I got kicked out. So that's another story.
1: How did you get yeah. kicked out? Yeah, that's the story we want to hear.
2: That's the story you want to hear, of course. Um, Hmm. So, oh man, you have to actually, it has to go back to the first grade. So, this is a a story I'm sure everyone wants to hear. I was thinking about it, like, I've never done those kind of like, you know, um, those courses where you go into your your past trauma and realize all your childhood (laughs) triggers and all that kind of stuff. But I'm pretty yeah. sure if I did one of those like um, immersions or whatever, what would happen would be it would go back to this first grade incident with uh, Mrs. Weber. <laughs> I'm not sure whatever happened to her, but uh, ah. so we were learning to tell the time. This mm-hmm. was uh, before digital, so you right. know, reading the hands on the clock. And uh, she asked me, "So Mark, what's the time? Tell tell us the time." And I couldn't read it. And mm-hmm. she just said to me in this really kind of nasty, sarcastic tone, demeaning tone, she said, Oh, you're not as smart as you think you are, are you, Mark? Oh. And I just was shattered and I just Died said inside, shut up, you
3: bitch. <laughs> 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 That's how
1: fucking posh you are. You knew how then, to say uh, that to it. <laughs>
2: yeah so and then then she chased me around the classroom (laughs) um, finally cornered me and then took me outside they pulled down my pants and spanked me out in the hallway fantastic
0: oh that's so true
2: that's a proper
1: education
2: yeah wow and then my parents were called and you know the principal and you know, they started telling my parents, oh, you know, you need to, to do something about your son he has got serious problems." blah, blah, blah. Oh. Thankfully, my parents were, like, like totally disgusted by the behaviour of the school yeah. and supported me fully. But um, I think that was just – that was the first incident, and then there were many incidents after that at school. Like, when I got to high school, there was another time where we had a good basketball team
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, – for some reason, they got rid of our basketball coach and they gave us the art teacher, <laughs> who she knew absolutely nothing about basketball.
1: And that's offensive. That's, we ended that's up running a mark. Yeah,
2: I it was. And we ended up running a We had no discipline, and I guess somehow I was the. I, they called me the ringleader of this you know like rebellious behaviors actually we were just angry that you know we didn't have a good coach right and so then I got in a lot of trouble for that
0: you were Um, like leading a revolt against the art teacher coaching the basketball team
1: were you and then were you offensive to her face were you no I don't think so I mean
2: I don't really it was I was so many years ago but the other incident that was really stands out was we were in the. this is at a private boarding school a catholic school and the we were learning english i think it must have been english or a speech class mm-hmm. and the teacher was like if my daughter came home with a boy who didn't speak english properly i would not allow her to date him oh, and goodness. i just said but that's not a very christian attitude miss and <laughs> i just got i got thrown out of the class sent to the 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 year master again this time didn't get the pants pulled down, but I got the you know six of the best uh caned across the hand. Oh, oh.
3: and yeah, well, there was, that yeah.
2: Oh my god, that burnt like hell. That was you know, like you just yeah. be I would you just be standing outside in the corridor crying, hand is burning. Oh. It's so, gross. you know, that was my kind of experience with authority, and it just it just seemed like I was always having run-ins for speaking my truth or speaking my mind, you know? Um, So that, I think I'll just continue. So then I think by that, the end of, by the time I was 12 or 13, I had developed a nervous stammer because I guess I was under so much psychological pressure at school Mm -hmm. Um, and that uh, I received a year report which basically told my parents, oh, your son needs to go see a psychiatrist, pa, 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 whatever, mm-hmm. um, which again really upset my parents, you know, that they were putting it all on me.
3: Right.
2: Um, and basically they their message was, you know, he's never going to amount to anything.
3: Wow. So
2: I think somewhere inside that's been like part of my whole, you know, quest. That's mm-hmm. why I have ended up, you know, you don't, Finish or nearly finish fourth series without having some burning desire to prove yourself, right? Oh, that's um, right.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, and pretty much everything I do in life, there's you know, there's kind of I guess there's somehow I'm still proving myself that I am worthy, that I have been able to make something out of my life. Mm-hmm. So I think it all kind of goes back to Mrs. Weber in the first grade. Yeah. Wow.
1: You know? That's interesting. I'd um. I think it might've been Jurgen who was teaching Madonna in LA. And I think she might've said to him something along the same lines. Like if, if you want to be famous and you want to be successful as a musician, there's something wrong with you in the first place.
2: Yeah. And that's a
1: a little bit like what you're describing the amount amount of intensity that you have to bring to an Ashtanga yoga practice to do fourth series, as the two of you have done is, it is um, it's a labor of love, but it is it is
2: also it's gotta be something driving you is, on a deep a, subconscious level. There's
1: is, is yeah. a self-punishment there at a at, at some point, just to brutalize yourself in that way.
2: Yeah. Was I that mean, too well I it doesn't yeah, that's a little too strong, I think. I don't I don't ever feel like I've brutalized myself, although yeah, maybe from certain perspective you could say, you know. Why would you you know put your body through what what I've done? Yeah which yeah. one of
1: your parents do you think you'd take
2: after? I'm definitely a combination of both because um, mm-hmm. my mother is I would say more like uh, she's been the, the one and we have all the deep existential crisis conversations
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, because like I've ever, st- since I, I can't even remember how long back it goes, but I've always had this question. I think I must have been three or four years old, like thinking or having this realization, you know, that death is going to be coming at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of like, yeah, how, would I, how do I phrase it? Like I had this knowing that the universe had existed forever before I came and then... After I go, the universe will continue to exist without me. Mm -hmm. I sort of had that deep realization when I was three or four, and it used to scare me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always used to think it's okay. Like by the time you're 80 or something, you would have come to deal with it. So I just, you know, kind of forget about it. Um, But my mom is kind of got that same. That same uh, burning question or fear, I guess, because she is very deeply connected to her uh, Christian faith, mm-hmm. particularly to her relationship with Jesus. Um, which I don't know if mom's going to listen to this, but I think it comes from uh, there's a there's a fear of the unknown, right? Of, mm-hmm. There's a fear of yeah. death, and there's a certain uh, security in knowing that we're going to go to heaven that Jesus is going to be there to you know take care of us Mm -hmm. when we leave you know Mm -hmm. so I get that from that's definitely something that my mom and I have in common
3: Mm.
2: and she's you know continuously on that search and learning new things she's uh she was a lawyer uh she retired and then went into art and singing and learning dance and now she's been the last 10 years really into Tai Chi, oh,
3: wow. um,
2: plus her kind of Christian meditations and so on. Mm-hmm. And then from my dad, I get the more, you know, like the discipline of being able to, you know, he's been, he's also a, a lawyer, but he's mm-hmm. also, he was a, um, a squash player. He was also mm-hmm. from a very young age. He was a, part of a rowing team. He was a coxswain.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
2: um so I get my height from my dad as well (laughs) the the coxswain is basically the the little guy in the crew
3: Um,
2: so but he went to the olympics as a a coxswain so coxswain is like their role is to be it's basically the the coach the motivational uh guy who gets everyone going yeah um and then he ended up taking up squash and he became the australian team captain he went to they won the world championships in south africa wow. he was new he was new south wales state champion so yeah. i kind of get that sporting athletic kind of yeah. desire and ability i guess i got from his genetic um mm-hmm. gene pool you know yeah. it's interesting
1: because when when harmony flies off the handle and i don't know if many people have seen that but i certainly <laughs> Jediah and i get it on a on fucking daily we all we're saying to ourselves when that's happening it's like oh she's being like her dad now you know like they yeah they right. both have that burning mm. burning intensity to it, them
2: and that's I, interesting because when it comes to anger i i have that streak and i've had it since i was a kid my mm-hmm. sister used to get scared of me
1: mm-hmm. i
2: used to turn into the incredible hulk mm-hmm. but um Neither of my parents are like that.
1: Really, they don't
2: have. Yeah, they. Neither of them have that at all. So I don't know where I got that from.
1: Because it's funny, because I was thinking about this—the attitude that you were taking to school—is something that that you learn at home. Like it's it's you're your parents when you're in school in some way, aren't you?
2: Yeah, but somehow, no. In that sense, I'm definitely my own. I inherited, or there was something else that was happening with me, because neither of my parents are like that.
0: Yeah, it's the pitta. It's all that pitta in you, mm, all the fire. I have a mark. lot of pitta.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I do have a lot of pitta. <laughs> but then there's both. this
2: expression. No, there's this expression. Whatever your parents repress, your children express. Yeah. So perhaps yeah. at some level, my parents repress some kind of like anger or something towards authorities, and mm-hmm. I was, and it came out through me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's interesting about my dad is he's not. He doesn't. Uh, He's not very, like, expressively angry. He's <clears throat> very, like, quiet and doesn't talk most of the time. But, like, mm-hmm. if he has a few drinks, you know, he gets really excited about things. And then, I have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> which can come out not so much as anger, but just, like, talking and expressing himself
1: expressing emotion
0: yeah expressing emotion emotion to come out so sometimes it will be crying sometimes it will be like loud kind of exuberant shouting
1: like uh you fucking liberal
0: (laughs) (laughs) that may or may not have been mentioned
1: (laughs) i was the only one in the room so no one else was witness (laughs) so i can't prove that it happened um gosh so it was your mom then that introduced you to meditation and yoga. Is that is that correct? Did I read that right? Yeah.
2: yeah. That you is weren't doing the, it already. Yeah. Um, so I think that must have started around the age of 18, 19. I think after yeah, I finished high school, then my mom started to get me into meditation. Mm-hmm.
3: At that, that time, she was,
2: doing, she was doing some kind of Christian meditations, and she started mm-hmm. introducing me to some books about that. She felt um, you needed it? I think she, yeah, probably. And also I was ready, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, I'd spent, you know, I, I'd had that, as I spoke about the that desire about, you know, the meaning of life, who am I, why mm-hmm. am I here? That kind of stuff had always been there. And that had also been part of my problem at school was like, I was thinking, you know, like we have this, you know, limited time on earth, we have this ephemeral existence and is like the system or, you know, what's being taught to us at school and, you know, the the path of life of just, I mean, I don't want to offend anyone, but at that time I was thinking like this idea of going to school, going to university, getting a job, becoming a doctor or a lawyer, whatever, and just getting a house and a kid and a dog and then just working, slaving away until you finally enjoyed your life at retirement mm-hmm. was something that I just didn't, I didn't want to buy into it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, so I was always, I guess, rebelling against that uh, system.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know, here we all are, family yeah, householders, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> but i always i cuz in india they have that similar kind of idea right the purusharthas i think they call it with the yeah. four stages of life mm-hmm. that's right um, and so you know Ramachari, when i came to yeah exactly sannyasin. yeah so i and then yeah the, but the sanyasin comes much later right so mm-hmm. when i was came into yoga i was already thinking like i don't want to be you know part of the system
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so i always kind of felt at odds with that kind of brahmanical you know idea of how you should live your life i don't mm-hmm. know if you guys ever felt that too i mean how many of you had a kid pretty young but uh, i always <laughs> oh, I, I didn't 30. even think i was going to have a kid
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. it's uh it's a bit like um <laughs> robert moses you know he uh he makes a joke that he's living the the stages the Indi- indian stages of life in reverse
3: because uh, yeah, after yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> brahmacharya after the student stage yeah. he became a, a sannyas he was a okay, monk yeah, with yeah. the yeah. shivananda which you can't get married or you know mm-hmm. have children obviously and he did that for many years yeah. and then also like in his i think his 50s or late 40s he uh you know fell in love and and left the shivananda ashram as a as a husband, son, Yasin, yeah. became a householder mm-hmm. and ended up having three children. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah, Dom is yeah. kind of doing the same thing. He's oh, having all the stages yeah. at, at once. Dom is just <laughs> living in
0: constant <laughs> <That's>, grasta. <yeah.
3: laughs> but,
0: no, I felt I felt very much the same. Like I really was rebelling against the system. And also yeah. when I got into yoga, I I had a, a lot of... Um, just like resistance against having a family and even, you know, I don't know. I had a lot of, um, I don't know, kind of, it just friction with this idea. I kind of wanted to like join an ashram or mm-hmm. a monastery and just like do my spiritual, you know, work and path and not be in a relationship and all of that. And, yeah. um, you know, then my, my teacher, Sri Opitawari, I was, speaking to him about this one day and he said you know something along the lines of if you have desire in you then it has to come out like you have to fulfill those desires before you can reach enlightenment you can't suppress them because they Mm. will come out eventually
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
3: and so yeah. Finding
2: that balance of, if you keep feeding the desire, it'll just keep getting more as well.
3: That's true. <laughs> it's yeah.
2: true. <laughs>
0: <That's>, <laughs> yeah. There's always a, a paradox in this spiritual <laughs> yeah. realm, isn't there? Well,
1: so you're, this yeah. is like 1997. You're doing uh yoga and meditation. Your mom's introduced you to some meditation. It seems still, um, if you pardon the expression, a little queer to do <laughs> <So> asana <queer. laughs> in Australia in 1997 as a man, as a strapping young man. It must have been just about the
2: only one. Well, I mean, there was I was the only one because I was the only one in the class. Also,
0: <laughs> wow,
2: <laughs> that uh, yeah, the first. Uh, class i went to was just me and my mom there
1: oh oh is that right oh that you literally meant the only one like like the only student yeah only student exactly yeah
2: um but yeah so like uh i think the 80 in the 80s my my mom used to go to yoga classes and for sure and my image of it back then was like you know mothers in their pajamas sitting around (laughs) like with the you know, the the candle and some kind of like, you know, um, mumbo jumbo sort of stuff going on. <laughs>
0: like an Ouija board or something. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. If you've ever, have you ever seen the Elvis Presley um, yoga is what yoga does? Have oh, I have. I have. I yeah, have yeah. seen that. I've seen yeah. that on
1: YouTube. That's fantastic. Yes. It's so, so weird. So That's how
2: i envisioned my mother's yoga class back in the <laughs> 80s and did, and i'm pretty sure it probably was something like that <laughs> um,
1: did you ever see <laughs> a, a clockwork orange by stanley kubrick
2: i have never watched that actually i think i've watched <gasps> parts of it but never finished the full film it's
1: i mean yeah. it's hard to watch it is brutal yeah It is like this post-apocalyptic world of, or dystopian world of the future, where young hoodlums have taken over the streets. But in the in the very right in the beginning, there's this amazing yoga scene where this elderly woman is doing just fantastic asanas in her upstairs um, living room. And she's just doing a whole practice, a whole routine in there. And she looks fantastic, but she's, you know, an elderly lady in the sixties. She's probably like 40, right?
3: And (laughs) she's
1: um, in a full leotard. And uh, the boys break in to her house and they start accosting her. And one of them grabs a sculpture or maybe she grabs a a sculpture to defend herself with and it's like mm. a giant white cock <laughs> and like that's it was like nothing could have been more perfect for that yoga room than for her to have a giant like
2: phallus in the room exactly a shiva lingam
1: yeah she had a shiva lingam and yeah. i was like oh yeah. that's yeah that's yoga right that's what we think of as yoga at that time tantric yoga yeah Mm, yeah. the utard the shag rug
2: and the fountain. i'm gonna go and i'm gonna youtube that after this (laughs) interview so what
0: kind of yoga class was it that you were in with your mom yeah
2: okay so uh just to go back to yeah this Russell's question so i had been uh doing karate in my teens or as ross and friends would say karate
3: so I've been doing,
2: <laughs> I've been doing karate uh, as a teenager. Uh, so, I don't know, I mean, martial arts kind of have that, you know, little bit of that spiritual energy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, and so yoga for me, like, it kind of was a little bit more of like an extension of that physicality, but then mm-hmm. going more towards, you know, meditation and so on. So that's why when my the class I went to, uh, he was basically teaching a kind of like a hybrid of ayanga and um, ashtanga. And also, he'd learn a little bit from uh, Simon Borg Olivia, who is uh, the yoga synergy guy in yeah. Sydney, mm-hmm. so, who basically was an ayanga an teacher who had gone into ashtanga and so on and created his own uh, fusion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, and I guess in those days they, they were kind of the main options. Right, there was like a yoga, and then, uh, you know, your what they call hatha yoga, the shivananda type mm-hmm. styles. Yeah. Uh, so that really like resonated with me because it had that kind of like you know that physicality was mm-hmm. something that really attracted me, as well as that meditative and you know spiritual type element. Mm-hmm. my teacher was he was not actually in india he was um he was from hong kong he was chinese so he looked a bit like a kind of a bruce lee right so he yeah. had he had that kind of like or mystique or that you know yeah. that aura of like a mystery around him mm-hmm. um so i think that attracted me as well and then you know i have that usual story that you hear a lot of people say is like after that first class the shavasana just feeling as if uh you know, walking out onto the street and the world seemed to kind of be so alive and feeling that sense of oneness and Mm -hmm. just, you know, without having to take drugs to feel it.
0: I know that first shavasana, it really is a gateway drug to yoga.
2: It was totally
1: psychedelic for me. (laughs) Yeah. It is true though, that, that for, it takes, for any person to like anything, there has to be some kind of hook that they resonate with yeah. personally and having a like a dude who is super fit and 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 had a kind of yeah. mystique about him like that allows a young white male australian to to say yeah i'll i'll
2: do more of that and that that yeah. makes sense be like to me. oh i want to be like this yeah because
0: yeah. you were really young at the time right uh
2: i mean was i was 22 okay was yes. yeah 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 23 and- it was the same for me. Yeah. I was I was in college,
1: so and I no. and the the Ashtanga yoga teacher was randomly my first class was Ashtanga yoga, and I walked in, and he was just like this super cold Austrian. <laughs> like uh uber uber gruff and fuel. and and it was like yeah this is for me this is like clearly where i'm supposed to be and didn't speak to me for three fucking years i was like great i don't know oh, anything yeah. about this i walked out of it out of the, cl- the class the last time knowing nothing about it didn't even know what it was called yeah. and went to another yoga class and i was like Oh, this is a, this is, oh, it's a stong- I do a shtanga. I had no idea until I graduated school that I did a shtanga yoga.
3: Yeah. That's
2: crazy. Does that guy still teach or
3: practice? Do yeah,
1: the, he's super, he's a, um, for, the, for a particular generation, like with Dom uh, or, or Eddie Stern or uh, Guy Donahue. like they know him really well. That's Suda, oh, oh, okay. Suda okay. in Chicago. Fuck you, I have yeah, actually, right. you went to Mysore so soon, like in 1999, right? yeah and that's so soon after you started ashtanga you might have met you might have met him there suda i don't know there wasn't many people there
2: no i don't remember meeting him but that name sounds kind of familiar yeah yeah i think i mean that the fact that i went there so soon it's like it was really this is way before social media so it's in those days it was really all about destiny i guess like really just Mm -hmm. meeting the people who had told you about somebody else. Like the way it happened for me was I was moved from Sydney to Cairns to become a diving instructor. Um, And I asked my teacher where, oh, by the way, even though my teacher had this mystique and this aura and everything, his name was George. George. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked George um, where to, nothing against George. George, I love George. Um, oh, it's, as,
0: it's as good a name yeah. as Bruce, really.
3: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
2: So George told me about these teachers in Cairns, uh, Nikki Knopf and James Bryan. If you, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, but that Nikki was one of the senior Ienga teachers in Australia mm-hmm. at the time, uh, one of the few who was at that very top level. Um, so I, they were my next teachers. Oh wow! So, but they were the ones who actually got me onto the Mysore style as well because they were even though they were teaching Iyengar they had a kind of a little self practice group Mysore style group going. Wow. Mm. Um and then I asked them where sh- I want to go to India because I was like really into traveling at that time mm-hmm. and they said I want to go learn from a master over there so they told me they had two options one was uh, Iyengar and the mm-hmm. other one was Patabhi and they said, Well, you've got a three year waiting list for IANGA. So, as right. long as you don't mind some pain, I think you'll enjoy going <laughs> to Mysore, to Derby Joyce. Yeah, wow. That was, that was, a, and then, yeah.
3: that was a great yes, recommendation. And then yeah. I know,
2: I know we laugh about it now, but it's actually, uh, you know, now all that we know, it was like, it's a bit, uh, yeah, we need to realize that that was something not that was kind of, well, yeah, we can talk about that later, I guess.
1: It was the same for me as, you know, I heard that, you know, Patapi Joyce was was hurting people, breaking people, standing on them. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's for me. That's what yeah. I want. Sign I mean, me up for that.
2: that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a different time, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, we wouldn't accept that now, but in those days, that was just, we just accepted that was kind of like, you know, the Chinese, the Russians and those, the old school Indians, that was the way that they taught. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I mean I had a Russian ballet teacher who uh, <laughs> walked around with a cane and would whack you with the cane, you know. and yeah. I mean it, all your even all your um, stories about yeah, like school, right school. <laughs> of like yeah, being disciplined yeah. in school. Punishment. yeah, it was very yeah. it wasn't as it was... um, frowned upon then, you know I mean, yeah. we paid the ballet teacher. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you paid for <through> the beatings. <laughs> Yeah. So did he, so did his parents. His parents paid for Mark to be beaten by the headmaster. (laughs)
0: So it was, you know, it was very, I don't know, it was it was just the way things were, you know, they'd smack Mm. you and
1: Yeah. It's funny that we can be so nostalgic for it knowing how completely wrong it is.
2: I know, yeah. Yeah, but it (laughs) was that was the, the consciousness at the time. I mean, I guess there was yeah. obviously there were people against it, otherwise, it wouldn't have changed.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: I think the science says yeah. it's not helpful, but we still sort of think it's the right way to do it. <laughs> so, tell us about your trip to India. Like, what you were there a while before you actually got to Mysore, right?
2: Yeah. So, what were you doing? Uh, just backtrack a little bit. So, I had. Um, I had finished my, I'd got my dive instructors. So my plan was to travel a little more. I wanted to, I wanted to go to India, mm-hmm. uh, do the yoga thing. And then I was going to go to Thailand and, you know, see if I could find a job, uh, as a diving instructor somewhere in Thailand or Indonesia, I wasn't sure yet, mm-hmm. um, but in the meantime, I had to go back to Sydney to make some money. So I was working on a lawn mowing, gardening run, Good. which was super fun, and it mm-hmm. allowed me to uh, to continue to my yoga practice. So I would um, do the, I would get picked up for work at seven a.m. or whatever, and we'd finish by three or three thirty, and then I would jump on a train and go into uh, to the city. And mm-hmm. go and uh, practice at Yoga Moves, which is ah, Eileen Hall's uh, right. place. Yeah.
3: Um
2: so back in those days it was like that was kind of like a the hub of the yeah. in Australia, one of the few hubs. Like so going to like, Eddie's in New York. It was yeah, the place it was exact, to go. It it had that feeling, it had that smell. Yeah, you know yeah <laughs> you'd yeah. go up and you'd go up there and it had that smell i don't know if you guys remember that I, but it, mm, the yeah. smell of like a yoga room yeah. of the sweat Re- of eight years years
1: of sweat yeah
2: yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, people's yoga mats like just like they'd sweat in the yoga mats roll them up and then put them away and just keep them there so <laughs> like it's just like
1: part of what you're supposed to do in those kinds of harmony didn't maybe have this as as much like when as a young student but i, I would do that i would volunteer to help clean the ceilings of old sweat oh. that's a job <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> somebody I mean, needs to do yeah. it you know absolutely yeah, was I, so leave I teaching
0: I... in the afternoon then
2: Eileen was teaching. It was a part of a rotating account. There was also Peter Sanson was there. I remember, like, very distinctly Peter rocking up into the office and Peter just sitting there chanting the Bhagavad Gita, not even, like, looking up and saying hello or anything, just (laughs) chanting the Bhagavad Gita and just, like, thinking, what, this is weird, but okay. (laughs) 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 There's, you know, in that old old poster of... um, Linos of Katabi Joyce and a Yogi's mm. Life, I think it was called. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, yeah, those old pictures from the Yoga Mala, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Eileen was there, Mike, uh, Mike and Victoria, who live in New Zealand. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys ever met them. They were, I think, they were my main teachers at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Mysore, so I once I'd saved up enough money, I went to, to India. Actually, I, I, I went, I got a, a round the world ticket. So I stopped in, uh, in the States first. I went to Eddie's. I remember going to Eddie's wow. practicing okay. there. Good for you. And I met, uh, I remember meeting Regina. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sister and, Sri. Is that
2: right? Yeah. Sister Sri. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister okay. Sri. And asking her like, you know, what's my soul like, whatever. I remember having a, quick conversation with Eddie and saying, you know, asking because I was into traveling and it's like, don't you like, how can you just always go to Mysore when you go to India? Don't you like want to go travel and see India? Mm-hmm. And he was in Eddie's like very stern. <laughs> <laughs> it's it the perfect name for Eddie, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So he, uh, he, he just said, no, like once I found my guru, my life changed. Mm. I was right like, oh, okay yeah right.
0: <laughs> You're like note to self go travel first
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah. that's what i did i went to the north i landed in delhi and i did you know went to rishikesh and went mm-hmm. up to the mountains the all that kind of thing
3: nice.
2: um had some crazy adventures made my way down to rajasthan and then mumbai and then finally to Mysore. Mm. um and then was, yeah.
1: was Mysore particularly weird or different for
2: you Mysore was actually so like pleasant after being in the north yeah you know it was like the north I found were pretty rough you know um where and especially you know living as a backpacker and all those dodgy motels and mm-hmm. going from place to place and getting you know every time you'd land in a new town like you just get accosted by different like rickshaw drivers and, you know, all these confidence tricksters trying to like Mm. swindle you out of your money.
3: Yeah. You know, you had
2: to really have your street smarts about you in those days. Probably Mm -hmm. still, you still do, I guess. Mm
1: -hmm. I have to say that I had, I had circumnavigated the globe. I, by the time I got to Mysore, I'd already been around the planet once Mm -hmm. and gone to all these countries and my first weekend in, in India was was sh- like- Shocking. Sh- shocking. And I'm like, this is <laughs> n- nuts. Oh, yeah. I cannot be yeah. here. I did not want to yeah. ever, ever, I didn't want to be there once I got there. I was like, this <laughs> was is the same. like, whoa, I've been to yeah. fucking Russia. I've been fucking, <laughs> yeah. I've, been, I've been, I've had an AK-47 pointed at me. I do oh, not want to ever be, I don't want to be in this place. <laughs> I need to get. All I need right. to get out. And I was. It was Absolutely. really difficult to land in India in a way that I could finally get comfortable. And it took. It took months before I felt like mm-hmm. adjusted to being there.
2: Oh my god! It's changed so much, hasn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I was yeah. similar. I I had been to the Middle East. I traveled all through the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, but when I got to India, it was just something else. You know, like mm-hmm. just just even the smell Mm -hmm. yeah when you get like you don't get that so much anymore but I'm sure you guys remember you'd land in Bangalore and you'd land in Mumbai or whatever and Mm. just the smell like it was Mm -hmm. incredible and then I remember the first night in Delhi just waiting for a bus to go to Rishikesh and it was just absolute chaos every you know half an hour or something all the electricity would like shut down and then (laughs) like 30 seconds later all the generators in the city would start up and then it was just this noise and I remember this um cow just coming up to me and just shitting right at my like in front of me and then then this old lady this old lady this beggar coming up and like asking for money and then walking off slipping in the cow shit and then and then just kind of dusting yourself off and then getting up and walking away and it's just like where the hell oh. am i
1: <laughs> that that um. reminds me yeah i remember my first the first weekend i was like trying to find something to eat i was terrified and i was at a market and the woman next to me just urinated yeah. just like standing next to me like not didn't squat <laughs> She urinated and then kind of like shook her, her sorry a little bit and yeah, then yeah, walked yeah, yeah. off. And like, oh, I'm not in fucking Kansas,
2: man. <laughs> I've, I've told Deepika these kind of stories and she doesn't believe me. Really? Yeah. Um, had this, yeah. But so, she's from there. I know, but I guess when you're backpacking, you see a different side of it.
0: It's true because even now, probably that you're, you've been living there for a year, you get so used to things that you just don't really see them anymore. You just, mm-hmm. it's normal, right? You're just like, oh, yeah. okay. But and, I, mean, I mean, it's not normal it's for
2: comfortable a... Now.
0: Yeah. Well, now especially. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But Where, it's where's my Wi-Fi even... password? That's the first thing you think of <laughs> yeah. when you get exactly. off the plane, and then that's yeah. that's yeah. the last thing you think of. Like, I need the new airport.
0: Yeah. But it. Yeah. yeah it, it was mm. definitely like a different, a different world, a different planet. I mean, and even now, if you had never been there, it would probably still be pretty, pretty shocking. <laughs>
2: yeah. Your
1: dad was no, pretty no intense doubt, for your dad yeah. last year.
0: Yeah. Or two years ago. Two years I was ago. Year. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I took my parents here three years. ago, So they've been twice now. And yeah, yeah but definitely my dad kind of freaked out, like especially at the traffic. Mm. Yeah,
3: it's
2: intense. And then, you know, and then the the beggars and, yeah. you know, you don't see much here, but like, in, you know, if you go to Delhi or Mumbai and you see the lepers and stuff, that's pretty yeah. intense. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Your
1: dad had a little bit of a meltdown.
0: Yeah, I think with the... The, I think the intensity of the crowds, you know, <laughs> I think Canada yeah, and Australia sure. are sort of similar. We have a yeah. lot of space, <laughs> mm-hmm. so the intensity of the crowds and and the about and the as clean, well. you know,
2: the cleanliness in Australia and Canada, and then you just hear, yeah, like this is, you know, it's pretty difficult yeah. to look at that. I mean, I've kind of, I don't even hardly notice all the rubbish on the streets anymore, but
1: right.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I've, I've, pardon me. Just every single time I've come back, my first feeling is, God, I could eat off of this, the off of this road. (laughs) I could sit down and I could eat off of it. I could put bread (laughs) on the floor and eat off of, and just pick it back up and eat it. It's so clean.
2: Yeah, clean. But then, then you would always. The next thought would be, but it's so sterile, like everything, like even life. Like I would, it would be so so hard to come back to Australia after being in India as well, you know, in that sense mm-hmm. of like, just like I'd walk around the city in Australia and it would just seem so dead and lifeless mm-hmm. yeah. compared to being in India. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I totally, I especially after my first trip, I really felt that mm-hmm. it was
2: almost like, that's it was almost yeah, depressing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my God, how can people live this way?
2: <laughs> I know. And because one of the big thing here is you don't see much, you don't see many billboards here, Mm -hmm. at least, uh, especially in in Mysore, you don't see any really. And then suddenly you get back to Sydney or New York or Vancouver or whatever. And you're like, it's just, you get inundated with advertising and just this constant pressure to look like everybody else.
1: Exactly. It changes the thoughts in your head, doesn't it? Mm.
2: Yeah. Suddenly you find yourself thinking oh maybe I should go to HM and buy something new <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: right.
2: it's
0: so true yeah
1: what was it like for you then in 99 meeting Batabi Joyce and and I imagine was Shorat was he practicing or was he teaching with you
2: he was teaching um, okay. so my first uh, meeting with Batabi Joyce was pretty i enjoyed it It it's pretty cool i i mean first of all it took me like an hour to find him because i i gave this rickshaw driver like i brought my copy of the yoga mall and i showed the rickshaw driver you know patavi joyce's photo and i said take me to this man
1: oh my god
2: Um, (laughs) and the guy you know in india they never tell you that they they don't know even if if you ask them which way is, you know, how do I get yeah. to the shop? They'll say, you know, even if they don't know, but it's, they'll tell you that they as if they do know. Yeah. So I just hopped in a rickshaw and went on a wild goose chase.
3: Ended <laughs> up going this all
2: over the place. Eventually forest. landed up in in Gokulam.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and oh, sorry, no, we did go to yeah, yeah, but we ended up back in Gokulam. Uh, yeah. Last uh, and yeah, uh, yeah from, we, were, we arrived at his house and. David Roach and Simmy. Uh, oh, nice. Fantastic. So they were two they the people I met. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So neither of them Australian. The to, <laughs> neither of them Australian, exactly. Adelaide with American accents. Yeah. And um, so yeah. So it was actually interesting meeting David because he was like, I guess, already in his fifties then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I think he was in his fifties. And uh, so I remember asking him, so like, why, what, what's your goal here? And he's like, you know, I want to see what this uh, practice does, you know, how it helps, what happens as you get older, you know? He's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a big experiment to see what, you know, what's going to happen. He's like, you don't see, there's not too many other people my age doing this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, interestingly, I met him again in Sydney, when he came for the Joyce Shala opening, oh, he was really? teaching there. Um, so he was in his 60s then, and I asked him, so how's your experiment going? Mm. And he he was, I think, late 60s by then. And yeah. he basically he said, I was going good up until I was about 61, 62. Yeah. And then he said, then something really started to change. Yeah. Um, and he, he told me, and he'd spoken to quite a few people like Shandor, Dhamma Mitra, mm-hmm. a few others of that kind of age group, and he said they'd all had a similar experience, something around that 60, 61, 62 age, like just mm-hmm. something in the body, just couldn't handle that uh, intensity of the Ishtanga practice anymore.
1: He mm-hmm. also really developed um, a thyroid issue and he was really oh, struggling. Thyroid. Yeah, he was yeah. struggling oh. with his weight and he oh, couldn't really, he couldn't twist that. the left anymore and so like oh, okay. that was the first yeah. thing that went and um yoga nidrasana oh, yes. went and then it was like he said he he got down to like you know five postures he could do and that's what he did and that's what the old guys all say they like yeah I, have, I do five postures
2: <laughs> yeah i guess you know, it all this depends what we consider old right
0: yeah, I mean, and I think there's a, I feel like there's also a bit of a genetic component to it as yeah. well. Like some people. That's why
1: I started so early.
0: Yeah. If you start earlier, <laughs> you have more time to, to progress.
1: No,
2: but... I mean, I, that's why mm. I failed so oh, early. Oh, that's why
0: you failed so early.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> genetic. No, yeah, that, that's my theory too. Yeah. It's like, you see the teachers that, or the students that start very young, usually by the time they're in their forties, they kind of, I don't don't want to say burnt out, but it's maybe a little bit, you know, yeah. over it that the passion is gone a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you start in your forties and yeah, you, you... A- like a- assuming Assuming yeah. that you've had some kind of a background like David was a dancer yeah. or some some people they you know they have more of a little bit of a cuffer body type. So they've mm-hmm. still got that flexibility, natural flexibility.
3: Yeah. I
2: see that they can go do very well going to their fifties and sixties with the practice mm-hmm. because yeah. they still have that kind of youthful enthusiasm for the practice
0: yeah there's definitely some that enthusiasm definitely can take you a long way (laughs) yeah for sure
2: for sure i think i mean that's a big part of it definitely yeah yeah
3: you
1: i'd like to i want to i want to ask you about eileen this seems like a good time but i also want to ask you what, what was how did guruji how did he treat you in the room at that time like what was do you feel like he was you know genteel with you he he liked having a like this young, new young man in the room, or were you just anonymous?
2: Um, I think the first trip, I don't think he. Re- I was pretty anonymous. I think mm-hmm. uh, second trip, there was uh, one moment I remember very clearly. Is was uh, I had been I don't think I'd finished my first week or whatever, and then it was the start of the second week. I finished Pasvatanasana. hmm Mm. Well, what had happened? No. I, so what had happened was he after my first trip, I went back to Sydney and I started teaching at Islands. Well, I, I was an apprentice. Right. I wouldn't say teaching yet. So I was an apprentice, and that year, so that was two thousand, I think. Um, mm. She hosted Batabi Joyce and Sharat to Sydney. Right. So I, you know, and in, in those days the groups were pretty small. So I, I met them and we spent time together and. Um, so after that, he went. they went back to India and nobody knew that they were returning back to India and we had the opportunity to go to Mysore. Uh, so I went to Mysore straight away and mm. turned up in Mysore and there was nobody there. So I, I turned up and I was in the first batch.
0: Nice. So oh. I was in
2: the front, front corner with my, so at my least, girlfriend at that time.
1: At least Patabi Joyce was there.
2: Yeah. Yes. But, yes.
3: He <laughs> was there, a, we didn't be, do that.
0: before the internet was really like very yeah, widely exactly. used. Yeah, you, you know just, the word exactly. had to spread had to by spread. word exactly. of mouth. Yeah. yeah it took a, it took exactly. a lot longer to get the word out.
2: <laughs> That's right. Because even though things weren't that big at that time it was still busy in that Lakshmi Puram charlotte by the time I got there.
3: Yeah. Like I
2: think the first year that I went the the line was all the way up the stairs more or less going to the rooftop. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: So it was still, there was, even if there was a hundred or 150 students, that was a lot for that small Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah. So that second trip, I guess he vaguely recognized me from Sydney Mm -hmm. when I turned up there. And um, so I got to the start of the second week, finished Bajvatanasana and I had done the lead intermediate class with him in Sydney which nearly killed me, but I'd done it. (laughs) And um, so we'd done a week of intermediate. And then, so I turned around, I looked at at Guruji and Sharath and and Sharath just stared me down. Oh no. He just angrily said, what? (laughs) And then then Guruji is like, Second theory or whatever, intermediate. You do yeah. or Pashasana, You do. He you said that. that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sharat was so mad. He <laughs> was so mad. I think he held a grudge against me for that for many many years. So yeah. he's still um,
0: mad. Um,
2: still mad. The Guruji just took me under his wing for that trip. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Amazing. So, wow. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't even remember. But yeah, um but you saved yeah, so yourself like was, two years that way. That's I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like the express method. Yeah. And then, and then I saved myself another few years the next trip, because um, the third time I went was again in puram but uh, it was the last season there, oh, Lakshmi right. Purim, and the season was winding down. So that by the time I arrived, there were there was not that many students, but I was still in the last batch. Mm-hmm. So by the time I would practice, Sharat had already gone off to Lakshmi Purim to teach his class. Um, It was just Guruji, but Guruji was kind of going in and out all the time, like having his coffee and doing that. So he was not, you could tell he was not really uh, watching. Mm -hmm. So I just snuck in a couple of extra postures. I think I finished myself on second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did that one time. One time yeah. I, see, I had, I had watched you and I, we can cut this out if you if you're not comfortable with it. No, it's
2: fine. These days, I it's was, like, you know, everything, it's all out there. Right. So it's all good. I was I'm, standing, sure I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's snuck in an extra posse here.
0: No, there was, there was a whole method to sneaking in I, I was
1: yeah. standing behind you by the office and you had walked up to Sherat and maybe I imagined the entire thing. Okay, but you had said to sharat right in front of me, you yeah. know, with uh, Eileen, I'm doing Urdhu Kukutasana. Oh. Okay, okay, is it yeah. okay if I uh, just do that? Yeah. And and, and the... just like rolled his eyes and shrugged his yeah fine.
2: And I was like, oh, oh I oh, okay.
1: I wanted to fucking yeah. strangle you because <laughs> I know.
2: So I just to got me that meant like five years. Him.
1: That was five I'm years not. of my life that you had just taken for yourself. I <laughs> oh, you know man. So the next year, I so, tried to do yeah. that. Yeah, and did it work? So what I did, I had I had heard from Guy, you know, and Annie Pace that like this is the thing that you could do, and and so I went. I just did my practice, and I was already doing um, a little bit of third. Like I was, I had maybe. Um, oh gosh, what's the first one? Kashyabhasana? No. Mish- yeah. Uh, no. Mean
2: Vishis- Vishis- so the foot, behind head, Vishis- foot behind your head, Foot behind your Yeah, head, yeah. First one. Kashi-basana, uh, kashi-basana. Yeah. I was already doing Kashyabhasana,
1: yeah. so it wasn't obvious. I was Already doing Kashyabhasana, so I was like, so I'll just do chakrasana. Okay. <laughs>
3: yeah. And I do
1: Chakrasana, and the moment I put my foot behind my head, the second yeah. time, Shrat walks right over to the front of my mat. <laughs>
2: oh yeah
1: and then like maybe i'll just do one more (laughs) and i do bairavasana and then like he's just staring at me yeah and like oh man i can't i can't do this anymore i'm too embarrassed of myself yeah 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 and i finished he didn't just stared at me the entire Which time almost, and then i stand is it's yeah. so much and i stand yeah. up to do backbends and he's still he hasn't moved like a rock and he just looks at me he's like you think i don't know remember everything every posture you've ever done whenever <laughs> yeah. you started or done them i'm like i've just died inside <laughs> died like a wet flower you know just like yeah. oh
2: cut <laughs> and then oh. that was it for that season for you did he give never
1: you more or not? No. Ne- oh yeah i didn't get another posture fuck no yeah. no that was no. that that yeah. i got all my postures the first day um, okay. and then and three good. months later that was i didn't get any more yeah. <laughs> and so and i didn't get any more until the next time i came um but it was just like i never st- i never stole a posture again either
2: <laughs> jesus it was brutal man <laughs> Man, I mean, this, I guess this is an interesting conversation, isn't it? It's like, even like someone who's not in this, this world would think of why would you need to steal a posture? What's all that's about? Yeah. What is it about? And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, if that whole like hierarchical system, that whole game that was being played, if that was not there, would would it have had the same magic? Would Mm. it have had the same appeal? Yeah, probably not. I I kind of think it wouldn't have wouldn't have worked. Mm -hmm. I think think it's a lot of it.
1: I think it's a lot like Karate that way, where if you don't have another belt to work towards, then why are you involved in the
2: spiritual? uh art yeah. <laughs> and, and if you could just give yourself belts it wouldn't have the same value <laughs> it's true right yeah. you like walk it, in
0: and you're just like yeah okay i'm just well, i'm ready I'm, for the next one but
2: if you I, could a steal belt a belt here, how cool yeah, would that yeah. be if you could- i know but but it, you would things would soon show up if you had to go in a tournament though wouldn't it you had to yeah. go to people who were actually black belts <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it's such a it's such an interesting thing to think about, because in our like little Ashtanga Yoga bubble, I mean, that was a really it was a really big kind of topic and and psychological thing is like practicing every day so hard so hard so hard and you might be like you know at your last posture and you know maybe it's like bakasana or something and like every day you're jumping into bakasana b perfectly you know and landing it like holding it for yeah. 20 breaths just to be sure you know
2: does he see me now <laughs> and yeah, then just like the corner of your eye watching to see if he's watching
0: yeah and nothing right and it could be like a month yeah. it could be two months i yeah. think like great Nardi was in Pada for five years yeah And, and he's like sitting there doing it perfectly. Like, is anyone noticing?
1: We don't know the backstory (laughs) that he may have insulted Sherat to his face. We don't know what happened, but that was cruel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but there was something really, I don't know that like this idea that the teacher is, can see when you're ready or like also is is kind of like destroying your ego by making he, you wait. He can also, see, right? he can
1: see that you want it.
0: Yeah. And that was always the thing people would always say, as soon as you stop wanting the yeah. next posture, you'll get it.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and
0: it, it really worked actually, because.
1: <laughs> Try and pretend to look like you don't want it. No, but. Yeah, I yeah. have done that. Totally yeah, <laughs> that doesn't, <laughs> that really doesn't
0: work though. It's almost like they can tell, like, you're just so destroyed and like, emotionally like you're like I don't care if I ever get another posture I really don't I just fucking hate this practice (laughs) and then as soon as they feel that in you like just that complete like disillusion of your ambition and your desire and your ego then they're like oh here's the next one you're like Mm. and then you're back in the game right
2: (laughs) I didn't I mean I think that I always had that desire and ambition even though I probably I would tell myself oh no no I'm not attached to this (laughs) you know but I I would be interested to like go back just for that reason to to practice in that kind of environment without Mm. that you know because a lot of that kind of drive is gone for me now so I would be interested to see how what my experience would be just practicing for the delight of practicing without trying to go anywhere without trying to get anything
1: it yeah. would be just like practicing next to johnny smith that's <laughs> yeah,
2: what that,
3: yes
1: that's what that yeah, looks yeah, like or peter, or sanson. peter sanson yeah <laughs> yeah both of them they're just like so yeah. so krishna about the whole thing but yeah. it, it's interesting
0: because I mean, yeah. you do get to a place in your practice and i mean i'm not sure if you finished fourth mark or not yet but um it doesn't No. no. Not quite, but you're close. I mean close. I don't <laughs> you're think very I, close. Yeah. As
1: close as a hand grenade
2: yeah. or yeah.
0: But it well, I don't know for you, like finishing for you, you might have
2: the same result, Russell has as a hand grenade. grenade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's you know, I kind of got to a, a place like really like in my in my soul. <laughs> you know somewhere in fourth series where i was just like you know i i just don't have it anymore like like Mm. i just don't have that desire to keep like keep up the regiment to keep up the 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 pace the the pushing the drive that's needed in order to climb that mountain and i was like i'm just cool here like this is good i just want to kind of maintain as best i can (laughs) (laughs)
2: for sure
0: did you feel like that too
2: yeah definitely I mean I don't know how it it just kind of happened for me that way just the last few years that desire for the fourth series or whatever just fell away um Mm. but I think a lot of it probably comes from also like not wanting to have that physical pain or what you know that one's yeah pain is a good word I'd say Uh like when even when i was like in mice or at that time when i was doing all of third and most of fourth or whatever um i i used to have to take Mm anti-inflammatories yeah you know that's Mm -hmm. like the dark side of the practice that nobody talks about but yeah that's i I, i'm not alone in having to do that i think a lot of people you're not alone
1: here that's for sure
0: yeah our, yeah, our last trip to Mysore, I mean, I hadn't like, really done it a lot. But, but, but... when
1: you're grinding up inflammatories, so you can snort them in the bathroom before practice, <laughs> oh
0: things God. have hit rock
1: bottom. Yeah, but to practice
0: <laughs> yes. at that level day after day after day, is it, it definitely takes its toll, doesn't it?
2: It does. And, yeah. you know, I think all of us have, know that it's not right, but we, yeah. you know, we, we turn a blind eye to it because yeah. there was something else we were involved in some other there was a, that group mentality and just mm-hmm. we were just oh willing we were striving to, man yeah we were striving yeah yeah when like and mark also Yow. i guess oh yeah mark yeah
1: well, well I, I didn't mean to interrupt you but just like that that he was like the most advanced practitioner of our generation yes. yeah and he was rubbing himself with liquid ibuprofen every morning was oh, really? indicative of how bad off we were. Like that's like the.
2: Oh, for sure. Even, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that. Um, uh, gosh, what was his name? The guy from Hawaii who was the bodybuilder and then became. Oh, Olaf. No, oh, Olaf. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that he basically would be taking. uh tranquilizers in the day yeah. and then uppers in the morning before practice
1: yeah i see i saw his box all that stuff was in there and was ketamine and
2: yeah yeah right ketamine is a horse tranquilizer right that's yeah. i heard that but I wasn't yeah. sure if it was true so yeah. i mean that stuff is crazy i mean imagine if yeah. remsky knew that
0: oh! right. <laughs> hopefully well, he's not listening <laughs> but
1: olaf wasn't ashamed of it he was right. he would say to me look look man this is better living through chemistry this is how i'm i'm managing this situation and um
0: he had a very interesting background too because he was a bodybuilder before and mm -hmm. took a lot of steroids
1: and was shameless about that
0: yeah so he really had like a very um uh, familiar familial, uh friendly Mm -hmm. relationship with uh, chemistry, yeah, chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a bit of a science experiment. I think his body, his practice, every, felt, his life, all of it. I was... felt
1: like I wasn't working hard enough. <laughs> or like I wasn't taking. I wasn't like diving deep enough because I wasn't shooting ketamine.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it would have helped.
2: <laughs> but seriously, yeah. So I mean, that was something, right? Then because the way that the system set up, that the advanced practitioners have become like the Mm -hmm. the teachers that everyone looks to and i think you know Mm -hmm. if you wanted to have credibility as a teacher you had to be doing advanced postures and all that kind of stuff was just set up in that in that way
1: it's really really true that the credibility that we carried home was from Mm -hmm. the posture and that you could actually count the amount of money that you made by the number of postures that you got in mysore
2: I know I mean even if you think about the great teachers of course that generation ahead of us like mm-hmm. all the Chuck Millers and Richard Freeman and yeah. Marty and all those all those guys but the only reason we really listened to them was because we'd seen them doing mm-hmm. advanced postures on right. YouTube that's Or right. whatever yeah. the VHS mark. with VHS <laughs> David Twenson you know yeah. yeah so there was always that sort of you know, they came, went hand in hand. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, There are lots more... of,
1: there are lots of their friends that we don't, like Ricky, we're not into Ashtanga yoga because of Ricky Hyman. Like, you know, <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> Ricky's
1: amazing. Ricky's a beautiful soul full of light and absolutely the most generous person you've ever seen. Yeah. But he didn't inspire a generation of Ashtangis with his backbend. No. You know, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, it's But when you met
0: him in Mysore, he inspired you with his, his heart and his spirit and his personality. That's what I feel about
1: Robbie Cavallero. Robbie's a, yeah,
3: Robbie's a great example.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you know these guys. uh, No, I don't actually. Okay. They're, they're Californians. But it's,
0: I think also as you age, I mean, it just gets, it gets more challenging. I, I don't remember like feeling the, the pain so much when I was younger, but definitely um you know
2: I mean I did I just was able to deal with it and you know I was willing to to put up with it I remember having sore hamstrings for like two years when I first started yeah yeah Yeah, the body recovers
0: quicker right
2: (laughs) yeah but
1: he was saying he was saying that he was sore all the time Mm -hmm. but you still just persevered. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah I guess maybe the mind's also a little more Willing, like he's
1: saying, like there's that's the thing that's missing is our desire, yeah, to endure,
3: yeah.
0: Can you yeah, can
1: you talk at all like about? Do you think you saw any of these transformations in Eileen as you apprenticed with her? Because she's now we're now her age, where she's you know, you know she we're kind of going through this change of life that she was going through as you were apprenticing. With her, did That's you? A, but yeah. she seems like just so absolutely full of fire. W- was she always that way? Did it change? Do you see that transform at all?
2: I mean, yeah, she was definitely hard as nails in in those <laughs> early days. Um, but I mean, she she always had a bit of a mix. Like she had this such a loving energy, but then she was very strict and authoritarian as well. Mm-hmm. And she could be, she could be very cutting with her words, with her tongue.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and she came from that old school style of, you know, those adjustments were were rough,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and yeah. no modifications, no props, and all that stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I, I always had a conflict with her that because she came from an Ayanga background,
3: mm-hmm.
2: so she would teach privates. Um, and she would use props she would she was she's actually an expert using Iyengar uh, props oh, wow. so she would you she would be using all the chairs and the and the the, the bolsters and straps and everything for her private clients but in the Mysore room I was like no props allowed so I right. was always at a conflict with her I was like why is that allowed for private but not for the regular students yeah
3: um
2: and then you know definitely she had some she had cancer breast cancer in yeah. around this age that I'm at now I think you know her mid 40s so that was a big life change for her that, that changed her very deeply
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, she went into a bit of a recluse stage then she came back teaching again and since then definitely she's uh, been transforming and now she's uh, like just very very open to learning new things and Uh, like she's a student of Ido Portal's method Um, you are
1: as well the Ido Portal yeah yeah
2: yeah what what is that what is it Um, yeah this is I mean he I guess is the guy who you could credit with making movement culture a thing Um, even though I mean the term movement you can nobody owns that right but Mm -hmm. this idea of a movement culture and that people can actually make a living now teaching so-called movement, oh, uh, I guess, really is due yeah, to the influence that, that he had. I see. Um, so he, you know, when I started, he was, he, he kind of came from a capoeira background mm-hmm. and then he was bringing in gymnastic strength training, um, which made him very popular. And then since then, he's, you know, we've been incorporating more and more things like dance and acrobatics and you know, different rhythm coordination of some of the topics that he would cover. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a a very general term now, what movement, this movement culture, but the idea is very much the same as what yoga is. It's like all these, you don't, not just practicing movements, but you're using movement practice as a way to know yourself, Mm -hmm. to be a better human, to learn more, to evolve and all that kind of stuff.
0: I have a a question because you're very well versed in sort of these different movement techniques. You're also doing like the natural movement. I don't know if that's the same oh, or yeah. if it's slightly different. Yeah.
1: And I mean, a lot of
2: handstanding uh, gurus you're going to. Yeah, but mm, although what do you... yeah, natural movement and handstands are very they're almost opposing ideologies. Oh. Right. Uh, <laughs> simply because you know, like we didn't evolve to balance on our hands, right? We evolved to be on our feet.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, what's what's your thoughts about like with the Ashtanga practice, how we're going through like the same pattern of movements every day, which you know can be helpful for like turning it into sort of a moving meditation type practice. But do you think there's any like negative side effects to like always moving the body in the exact same pattern of motion? Or do you think that there's benefits in like kind of coloring outside the lines a little bit from time to time.
2: Yeah. And I think the people who do the best with like an Ashtanga practice are the ones who progress through the different series, right? So there's Mm -hmm. a kind of, you know, they're doing, if you're doing primary intermediate and advanced uh, different days of the week, at least you're getting a little bit of a more balanced uh, practice. Um, the people who are just stuck in primary for the rest of their lives or half primary for the rest of their lives. And definitely uh, just it's a very limited scope Mm -hmm. of movement. Um, But then, you know, okay, so we have to leave aside. If we're not talking about the, you know, what we say, the spiritual benefits or, you know, the meditative qualities of the practice, Mm -hmm. just from like a purely physical point of view, then, yeah, definitely it's very limiting Mm-hmm. uh in its in its approach <clears throat> i think like when we started yoga was really sold as like it's everything yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yoga asana is everything it's your spiritual practice it's your meditative practice and it's like in, encompasses all physical attributes that you'll ever need that's right um we and right i believe that, that yeah, I believe that for many years. I used to have arguments with my brother who's like a rugby coach and he studied sports science and so on. Like he used to say, yeah, yeah, you, yoga, you can build muscle, you can get strong, it's flexibility, it's it's everything all in one. Mm-hmm. And like if Deepika would go to a Pilates class, I would say, well, why are you going to Pilates? Like yoga's got everything. <laughs> yeah. um, Even when, you, used to when be, you would, when did you meet Deepika? Yeah. How long ago? That was uh 2000 and end of 2008. We started dating.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's yeah. still fairly recent, just 10 years ago. You're having that argument with Deepika,
2: yeah, exactly. And so I was kind of like this bit of a hardliner for quite a long time. And then I, I mean, I used to still like to run on the beach or I'd go for surf, I'd like to swim, but mm-hmm. in terms of like going to the gym or doing Pilates or doing some other kind of uh, movement classes like that i thought no no yoga is like we've got it all
3: Mm -hmm.
2: um but i've changed my tune on that a lot in the last you know five years there's
1: also this idea that like look there's one one teach, one student one teacher what did guruji say to us like two yeah. teachers destroying two
0: the teachers deathing
2: deathing yeah <laughs> two two, you, two two doctors two, a patient dying yeah, yeah. Like two that, doctors patient like... dying yeah. and that's a big yeah.
1: part of the culture is that if you take any other class like for years i wanted to go to venkatesh in Lakshmi Purim and learn how to do backbends and it was like uh mm. oh, what are you some kind of you know debutante like what's the matter with yeah,
2: you yeah. Yeah, and so the exactly. idea of going
1: anywhere else and studying anything else was was verboten to us. Mm-hmm.
2: I I uh, came to like a resolution with that when I started studying with Professor Rao Nagaraj mm-hmm. Rao,
3: um,
2: and I asked him about this, and he said in his you know the beautiful way that they're able to you know uh, recite scriptures whatever he basically said something like you know just as the honeybee collects the nectar of many different flowers the student should also take the nectar from different teachers and I was like oh yeah I was like that's me like that's how I kind of view my learning process you know like um, the Ashtanga and Sharath and Fatabi Joza Eileen, I learned certain qualities from them, mm-hmm. but I needed to learn philosophy from Professor Rao. I needed yeah. to go somewhere else to learn about chanting or I needed, and then when it came to physicality, I needed to go outside of Ashtanga to learn more.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What What motivated you to do that? Do you remember if there was like a specific thing that broke? Yeah, or took you on this yeah. journey?
2: Maybe I think Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, do, to be honest. How so? Like just... How so?
0: You just started following like different people? Yeah,
2: or I, just, yeah? I think I think like I think Dylan Werner was one of the first mm-hmm. ones that I started following and started seeing like a yogi doing all these other kind of more actually calisthenics type movement, like body weight movements, mm-hmm. strength movements. Mm-hmm. And then there was another guy, Lamont, the Cyber Yoga. Mm-hmm. A, a guy, a friend of mine, and he was doing similar kind of like break dancing, b-boying kind of stuff, fusing that with yoga postures. And then I got exposed to, to Ido, um, and it just kind of triggered something. So it's like, oh, wow, like I can do all this uh, stuff on a yoga mat, mm-hmm. but I need to like warm up for like an hour and a half, and then I can do a tic-tac. You know, yeah. where, whereas I see these, you know, like capoeira practitioners, capoeiristas, like they're just doing all these uh, flips and acrobatics, you know, just cold, basically. Right. Um, I was like, oh, that, I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to go down to the beach and just bust out at some kind of a backflip or something.
3: Yeah.
2: Um So it kind of just set off this quest in me to learn something else, and then also the one-arm handstand. That kind of like I like got excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think once I start, once that door opened, like once that gate opened, there was like, wow, it just led me down this whole rabbit hole. Like, wow, there's so, there's this whole other world of exploration and movement here. And mm-hmm. because of my practice and my yoga practice, I'm actually, I feel like I can learn this stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Did you, were you always like physically? Gifted, I mean, because you're very. What you do seems to come so effortlessly, especially like when I watch you just kind of like go into these movements. It really looks like effortless.
2: I've been, yeah, I think like as long as I can remember, back at school, I was always like one of the you know the better rugby players or Mm -hmm. you know better footballers, and I was good at cricket. I was yeah, I was always good at sports.
3: Mm -hmm. I never.
2: I never excelled, like I never reached like a state level or a competitive level in any sport, but I was always, you know, I was always good, Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah, so you have I that think, like a little bit yeah. of an athletic kind of
2: um, yeah. ability. The disposition, genetic yeah. ability, definitely, yeah. for sure. And I like to – I always keep that in mind when I'm teaching, especially, you know, yoga. It's like I never try to sell uh, – a a message to people that, look, I did it. So that means you can do it too. It's not necessarily true. Mm. I can teach you my process and I can help you. I feel like become the best that you can be, but it's not, doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do third and fourth series. I just Mm. don't think everybody, I don't think that's a fair message to tell people. Like, I don't think everybody has that genetic potential.
0: I agree. I, you know, I got into a little bit of a, Uh, argument over Instagram with someone who was telling women they could all lift up from Krandavasana. And I I was like, I don't think that's true, actually. I don't think it's fair to tell everyone that they should be able to do this if they just try harder.
1: Speaking as the first woman to lift
2: up out of Krandavasana. (laughs) It's
0: it's not... So true it requires jump like jump
2: through is the other one yeah,
0: exactly jump backs and jump throughs. Yeah. It's just not, and everybody's going to be able it. to do it. Not
1: everyone's no. arms are longer than their height. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a yeah. real thing. Like they look at this in basketball the
2: all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. are, the, ape, the ape index.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are your, are your arms longer than the, the height of your body? right And yeah. if a seven footer has seven foot three arms, and they say, oh, great, he's, yeah. t- he's even taller than he looks.
3: Right. Yeah. And they
1: say this in, in football, where a, a center or a, um, a lineman, if they have short arms, they're going to have a short explosion. And they right. may be yeah. strong, but they're not going to have the reach that you need.
2: Right. And right. so these things are real
1: yeah. in other sports.
2: Sure. But, like,
1: sure. but you can't talk about it in yoga.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> yoga is not a sport. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> it's magic
2: <laughs> as long as you as long as you use more abundant you'll be able to jump back down to it
1: i wanted i wanted to ask you a little bit deeper about the the search for different different sources of information because I, I i it's interesting and i think it's really critical to our community especially one that has this, I'm gonna say essential problem to it that for our generation, we're glutton for information, glutton for choice. We can go study with Eddie or Eileen or Dina or Harmony. And, or Mark. or And we have that choice. Or also. Deepika. And we can, <laughs> especially if you apprentice with them, you learn so much, so deeply about a different way of doing things, about learning how to do this thing. And it's actually not necessarily the way that Patabi Joyce taught. At least if you, yeah. if you study with you know, the, <clears throat> the how many certified teachers there are now, I, I'm not sure. But like at one point it was like, there was the 30 people that you could study <laughs> with. And if you went and studied with them, no one of them was gonna give you the same teaching. Right. And, and so it was so great for us as students to have all of this information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that generation was all really learning from one guy.
3: Mm-hmm
1: and they were all learning slightly different things. And I feel like that there's culturally right now in our Ashtanga yoga community, there's a problem with, are you studying in an orthodox fashion that, that will rate in Mysore and in mm-hmm. Gokulam, or, you, um, or have you learned something else from some other person that may actually be really useful but not allowed, like say doing the splits and the standing sequence, which I really liked. Okay, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: So, what's your mm. question? My yeah. question is: um, <laughs> uh, Is
1: it problematic to have that,
0: like dispersion? It's a, mm. it's That's a dispersion. Spoiled by it's choice. Um,
1: we're spoiled by choice, but I think we're we're actually uh, it's a benefit to us, like Mark mm. said, to be able to like bees to go to all these different flowers, mm. even though we're potentially shamed for it
2: okay i'm going to give you a long-winded answer yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so i remember i watched an interview with prem uh mm-hmm. in from bali re- a while back and he was telling the story of how like they went to mysore and you know they they learned from Batavi Joyce, and he he told them the whole story about the yoga Kurunta and all that kind of stuff and they learned this method and they were so stoked with it, right? They had this practice and they wanted to devote themselves to it. And the thought just occurred to me. It's like, okay, so that was in the 70s. At that time, Krishna Krishnamacharya was still alive. Wow.
3: Right.
2: Why wouldn't you jump on the train and go to Chennai and find Krishnamacharya? Yeah. Find out. <laughs> like, he was Bhattavi Joyce's teacher. Why wouldn't you go there and learn from him and find out, like, even more about this uh, lineage and the whole history and all of that stuff, and so that really struck me as like, because at that time that was not the th- thought process. Mm-hmm. They found their teacher, they found this thing, they believed this teacher, they trusted this teacher, so they devoted themselves to it. Whereas nowadays, I feel like there's this this inquis- like this inquisitive nature. We want to know everything. We want to know the whole history. We want to verify everything that people have said and find out whether or not it's true or not. Oh, yeah. And uh, particularly, like, uh, you know, there's been this rise in the last 15 years or 10 years, particularly of these Western scholars Mm -hmm. who are really going into the whole history of yoga. I mean, Mark Singleton is the one who really kind of caused it. Yeah, he caused an uproar and disturbed the community in a big way with his book. Um, But you know, like there was this. Uh, there's a, if you, you remember the movie Enlighten Up, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know sure. if you guys saw that.
1: Yeah, Norman there's Allen scene... was
2: in a... Yeah, yeah, so it was a great film, but there was a scene in that where the interviewer asked, like Rodney Yee, Goma Kukosa, Baron Baptiste, uh, this other LA yogi, I can't remember who um, her, her name right now, but uh, basically, he's like, the interview was like, So, how old is yoga? And Baron Baptiste is like hmm you know I really don't know I think it might be like 5,000 years old and then Gumuk <laughs> comes on and says this yoga is 40,000 years old and like <laughs> you know like like they're all like saying this like they, they look kind of they don't they don't know they just you can just tell yeah. that, that by the look <laughs> on their faces they're just kind of startled by the question except for Gumuk she's very confident 40,000 years old yeah. um, except that we know like, from history, the industrial revolution—I mean, the agricultural revolution—didn't start until ten thousand years ago. Right. So people were—you know—there were no communities forty thousand years ago. People living in tribal cultures of a maximum of one hundred and fifty people together. So yeah. it's very yeah. difficult to say that this yoga tradition comes from forty thousand years ago. Right?
3: Um,
2: you know, so like, I think there was a gap there in terms of our understanding. And knowledge mm-hmm. of the history of yoga and these the western scholars in the last 10 15 years have come in because there's been the funding there's been the in, there's been the opportunity mm-hmm. to actually go and study this stuff like before if you think about all the knowledge we had like for me i would if i wanted to learn about history of yoga it was basically from georg feuerstein mm-hmm.
3: yeah. or yeah. from exactly. richard
2: freeman yeah. uh, for example but If you think about those guys, they were not academics. They were doing their own scholarship, but they were not academics. They were not being paid to go to India and search through libraries and find these ancient manuscripts and do all this kind of stuff, right? So there's now we just have a lot more information, and Mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's incredible, but the downside is that kind of like this. You could say, like, with all that questioning, you lose, coming back to your point, Russell, Mm. is that you lose that uh, original sort of, like, seeking or quest or, like, that faith, let's say, Mm. that devotion to one teacher, one, and just trusting that that teacher knew and just believing that and then just following that.
1: Because that that's part of the Yoga Sutra is to practice with devotion and faith for a long period of time.
2: Yes. And it really follows One truth.
1: Yeah. And it really does help to, to, stay, to stay the line.
0: Well, doubt Absolutely. is one of the obstacles. Doubt is
1: one way. of the obstacles.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> because it yeah. creates confusion. Yeah. And so you should but always feel convicted. A healthy, skepticism, <laughs> a healthy
2: yeah. skepticism, we know, is a, is a good thing. It is yeah, a, it it stops for you sure, from, is
3: and
1: being abused
2: for one. Well, that's it. So that's it. if we go back to that, that, that mm-hmm. the reason why all that uh, the the abuse and all that stuff that we did was in that in the community, um, putting up with you know pain and injuries and all that stuff was because and humiliation. Was,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it was because there was not as much access to each other and mm-hmm. to social networking and. You know information and you know so that uh, that that allowed that culture to develop Mm -hmm. there's Uh, a a,
1: another big piece of our community which i don't think is really relevant anymore i think it's like there's a lot of i think a lot of what we're talking about is elements of our community that are not as relevant now as they were 10 20 years ago Mm -hmm. another one of them is the list
0: Oh yeah, Ooh. the list. Oh, Which, yeah. for most Remember. of
1: our community, most of people who are listening, they may not even know that there is one. Or get taken off the list. Yeah, we get taken yeah. off the. List. Yeah, yeah. And, and and being on that list was like the most important thing in our lives. That's and, right, yeah. and
0: I. And you got taken off the list, Mark. You've been
1: taken off the list a number of times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm yeah, no longer on the list. Are you, are oh, you out you've now? you've been
0: taken off for good?
2: Again? No, I mean, I could be on it, I think, but I just didn't fill in the form and send it back in. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're
0: probably yeah. off the
2: list then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about that? you got to
0: fill out a form.
2: Can you talk?
1: <laughs> Harmony made me fill out the form. Can, can you talk <laughs> about that at all, what that experience is like, um, negotiating that with Sharat and with your teacher this this thing that's really important that has been taken from you and having to get it back somehow and then be taken off again. What can you tell us? What that's um, like?
2: That yeah, I guess yeah. It's interesting you you make that point about the list because yeah, I, it was so important and when I got taken off it, it was such a big deal. You know, like it really hurt and it yeah. was like a lot of uh, emotional kind of story around it. Whereas now. It just almost seems funny, like the list. What is that? (laughs) I know. But you know, the 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 second time I got taken off the list, it actually kind of, in in a a weird way, it worked in my favor because there was like all the legends were taken off the list, like Chuck, Richard Freeman, Tim Miller. this one and that one and then there was mark roberts like suddenly because <laughs> I, I was Legend not in that man. league right yeah. yeah exactly i was i was not even in that league or that generation and suddenly in my name was associated with all those guys so i was like oh that's okay. right
0: yeah, you got elevated fun. you and alex yeah. medine just like rose yeah. in
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> seniority like
2: little, we're, gonna, we're gonna notoriety talk- I I,
0: remember the first time, I I think it was the first first time you got taken off the list and you texted me and said, because I was with Sherrod on tour and you said, ask Sherrod why I got taken off the list.
1: That's right. That's what I wanted to ask. And I was like, oh, shit. Why did I? I got to
0: ask him. So we're in Walmart. That's right. Shopping for pens. We were in Walmart and you
1: asked Sherrod about Mark.
0: so, Jerot, I, I got a question because you're my friend, Mark. And if you ask me to do something that's, and it's in my capacity yeah. to do, I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb oh for you my and God, do it. You did it right. Yeah, oh, I'm, I, I am. I'm going to, because that's the kind of person I am. If you're my friend, right. I do go out on a limb for you if it's within my power to do. And this you was asked
3: him in Walmart.
0: right there. So, we're you're in shopping Walmart. For pens? Yeah, something like that. And uh, These
1: pens that are much cheaper at Costco, I think we should go. <laughs> yeah.
0: I said, uh, so Sharok, can I ask you a question? Um, well, you know, you know Mark, Mark Roberts. <laughs> why did he get taken off the list?
1: Ooh. And
0: <laughs> and he looked at me. You
1: should not be asking this question.
0: Yeah, he, like gave me that look, you know, like that. And first oh, he was kind of surprised that I was asking the question because yeah. and also surprised he almost seemed surprised like maybe he didn't know you'd been taken off the list
2: yeah <laughs> yeah that's possible too what and, year was that do you remember oh, it was 2016 maybe 2017 2016. Okay,
0: yeah. yeah yeah 2016, 2017, 2017 i think yeah and then he and then he like looked at me with disdain and said you should shouldn't be asking these questions tell mark to email usha yeah. i said okay, oh, right. okay.
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so, I like. I tried, Mark. I really tried. To it's like, like it's no, really. It's like, it's like he that. didn't know. He, and
0: he did seem a little surprised. Actually, oh, Mark's, Mark's like, off the list again. No, <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. It was no, I think a very that was the first time. Yeah,
2: that was the first time.
0: Yeah, it was almost I like mean, get him to talk to Usha. I have no idea what's going on. I'm in America on tour right now. But
2: <laughs> you were like,
1: you were going to India. You were part of the generation that like. There were a lot of people taken off the list because they didn't come anymore.
2: Yeah, but no. you were... I, was his, I was the first uh, one that he certified. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jürgen, Jor, Jor, but Jürgen is not actually going there at that time. Right. Um, so, yeah, I was like you know, one of his, uh, one of his. top students, I guess, right? Yeah, I'd for think, sure. Whenever he'd do the demonstrations, like at Mysore Palace or the Ayurvedic yeah. thing, I was the one. I yeah. went to China with him.
0: yeah.
2: So there was all that stuff. And then, but the thing was it was, I'm pretty sure it was Ganapati was the one who had been telling him oh. about what I was up to. He he, he is a sweet guy, but I'm pretty sure that uh, he that influence is long gone now. But yeah. people would email me, like Tarek would email me, Magnolia would email me, hey, we hear you getting taken off the list, blah 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 blah. Right. Um, so that was all that going on. So much um, but drama, the second,
3: right?
2: <laughs> It was. It was like being in school. Yeah. And then the second time was around, that was the time for me too. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's when all that started to come out. Yeah, all so, the
0: senior teachers got taken off.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I have my own theories about what happened there. Like I had done a, there was at that time, there was a Facebook group, like the Shangha Facebook right. group. Yeah. That's not right. the home practitioners one, but it was a teacher's group. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. And basically, all the stuff had come out. Mary Taylor voiced her story, Mm -hmm. and you know, Karen Rain and everything. And I was kind of like in a bit of a state of shock. And I expressed on one of those threads that was going on around about that topic. I just said, you know, I feel really sad that my teachers, my Mm -hmm. mentors, and and so on had never talked about this openly,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know? I remember you saying and then, that, yeah. And I got kind of attacked by some people saying, that's bullshit, Mark, you knew about it, pa-pa-pa, pa-pa-pa, whatever. <laughs> um, but what I think happened, I don't think it's a coincidence, is that that Facebook comment was shown to Sharath and I was seen then as, you know, right. a threat, as someone yes. who was going to speak out about this issue. So right. I was I was taken off the list. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it all went down. Like anybody who was potentially connected to right. like that story, the Tabi Joy story,
3: mm-hmm.
2: was taken off the list because Shurt basically realized it was time for him to create his own.
0: Thing, yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, to to distance himself from his grandfather's teaching and create his own name and brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: It was really difficult for us all to understand, I I think, because for us, it was the community, and we were all in the community, and we were all part of this thing called Ashtanga, not realizing that Sharat and Batabi Joyce and Saraswati saw themselves in different camps,
3: Mm.
1: that they were doing different things with different bodies of students. Mm -hmm. I was like, hang on a second, we're all in this, I thought we were all in this together. And you're yeah. saying, and you're saying that Richard and Eddie and they're all they're all outside of your camp,
3: mm.
1: and like it was yeah. it was bananas to us. Yeah. We couldn't well, wrap buried. our head around the idea that that notion that these it older was a missed students missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, I mm. feel like there was there was an opportunity there to like really unite all the mm-hmm. different teachers mm. um, and make the community you know much you know a solid. Said what happened was it just really broke it down into different factions.
3: Right. Yeah. In
2: different camps. Yeah. yeah. And then hmm. it, everything That's... suddenly r- realized, that, oh wow, this whole this concept of the community and the method and whatever, the practice and the thing that we think unites us is actually very fragile. It's it, it is it's in a sense it is a concept. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's actually,
2: I think it's the friendships that are real.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then the, like, I would say, like, even if, like, say I stop practicing Ashtanga or you guys stop practicing Ashtanga, I think the friendship will remain, I hope. You For sure. I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. you, you'll be like, oh, so what are you up to these days? Or, you know, like, oh, that's cool. What, how, how did you get into that or whatever? Instead of, yeah. like, oh my God, he doesn't practice anymore. Yeah. Like the, the, the enemy
0: yeah
1: there's there's a feeling like you know gustav and mark yao they're like for a while they were like outside the community because they were like gustav was weightlifting and mark was whatever the hell he went up to you know but it's i never
2: i never met gustav but i heard he had an amazing brother oh yeah he was a a swedish hairdresser right
1: swedish hairdresser absolutely gorgeous and he was like um the thing that I feel You're sounding that...
2: very much like Chandler right now.
0: <laughs> Chandler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I wanted to ask you about where we, we go from here. And I you really kind of set it up beautifully because it really is about our relationships. And we have these friendships with people that we we endured some hairy shit together. And that's always going to link us the rest of our lives. Yeah. But without having Belts without having a Mysore to go to, without um, having one teacher to follow, what is it? What, what do we have as a, as a community? And is that, a th- do we have that? Or is it just it's people that Christian. we we yeah. know?
2: I was, I've been thinking about this in terms of like, you know, when, when we started, uh, we had that older generation, right, who were our age now, they were in their 40s then. And they had, you know, they had the promise of yoga, right? Yoga mm. had this, this. Uh, it was seen as it was the elixir, the fountain of youth. That's you know the amrita, the nectar. Mm. Um, it you could, you know, live the yogic life, and everything would follow. You know, yeah. Yeah. And even that all teaching, but Patanjali, it's all is coming. Mm-hmm. All is coming. Um, And I watched the a documentary recently I can't remember the name of it but it was like all about Ram Das and all that generation the 70s all those early explorers of that, that hippie culture mm-hmm. um, and I thought to myself that was such a big social experiment and did it did it work Mm. And I think, uh, you know, we're now we're at a stage where, you know, all that generation, they're in their 70s or whatever, late 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, then you don't really hear too much from them because they're not on social media. So mm-hmm. now we're it, right? We're mm. that uh, generation that have been practicing for enough time to have, some, have a voice that people listen to,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, yet we have kind of, we've got the questioning mind about whether that promise of yoga really works. Mm -hmm. I know I, I, I have that doubt, right. So that's why I've been exploring outside and uh, outside of the method. And and also because we are so now we're with the whole field of neuroscience and all this biohacking and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, like we're exposed to other people who are doing similar type of things as us. Uh, Mm -hmm. but they're not practicing asana but they're doing similar things with the mind and the breath and you know the physiology of the body and I feel like these elements are very very interesting and I think uh, much more attractive to the new generation and much more relevant even like uh, I don't know if you guys follow Dr. Joe Dispenza
3: Mm,
2: Um, yeah he's a you know in neuro into neuroscience and stuff and Mm -hmm. he's a one of his like catchphrases is science is the new language of mysticism uh, before uh. it was enough before it was enough to know now we need to know how mm. we need mm. to know how things work before like when we were learning it was just told to us this you know practice all is coming and mm. that was it you just knew but now, everybody, we want to know how it works. Like, how does breathing yeah. affect your nervous system? How do the postures work? Like, do they really uh, heal the body? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. all this kind of stuff. So that this uh, new Eddie's in, very much involved with this fusing of uh, neuroscience with uh, with mm-hmm. yoga.
1: It's it's really when you when you start seeing that you're. Your physical affect or your mental affect is a is a is a direct correlation to neurotransmitters. Like, mm. oh, this is a serotonin response. I'm having a dopamine mm. response. It's yes. like this, and then you start to see that mysticism is really a chemical reaction.
2: Yes, exactly. So this, I f- I feel like this is a kind of uh, part of the future mm-hmm. of where we're heading. Is starting to people. This will become more and more common uh understanding people start to really view uh their practice through this kind of a lens which will have an effect on what we do physically because we know actually it's probably not such a good idea to be doing a practice that is depleting you of energy yeah um you know or dehydrating uh, yeah, so you or dehydrating or, or you or preventing you from sleep. S- without, yes, sleep. without sleep sleep yeah
0: <laughs> we're all yeah. like sleep more sleep more you,
3: yeah. you said that to yeah. us the
1: other day um about the um about the habit or the lifestyle of the ashtanga yogi and all the things that go that are wrapped up into it and you mm. you you were saying that like if you look at the things that we we did to ourselves and you think of it through a kinesthetic science and what we know about kinesthetic science, it's really yeah.
0: wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the first thing most people would tell you now is get better sleep, more mm-hmm. sleep, and make sure you're very hydrated. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, food again, is, is another thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, that lifestyle that we were living in my, sort of basically not eating after 12 o'clock and then going to bed, whatever, Trying to go to bed early, but not being able to sleep, and then waking up at two AM mm-hmm. to do a very intense practice mm-hmm. um, I mean, well, we had to. We were viewing it through the lens of tapas, tapasya, right? I guess. Yeah. And I think that it does it's, uh, in that sense. That's valid, um, but I w- it's not something sustainable. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think that's something that we've. Most of us, especially when you have, once you have children you really, mm. really realize how not sustainable that lifestyle
2: is. <laughs> For sure.
0: You, you, there's just, there's no way you can get up at, you know, two or three or four in the morning, nor should you, because you really do need to have proper yeah. sleep in order to function.
2: Mm-hmm. Although sometimes when our baby wakes us up at two or three, I think, should I should just get up and practice now? Yeah.
0: <laughs> But it was Then you'll have to nap, take a big yeah. long nap later in the day. It's, yeah.
1: it's so infuriating, though, because not only were we doing that in Mysore, but then we would go home and try I and know. do that in Sydney or Calgary or yeah. you know <laughs> uh, San Francisco. You, you try and get up at two thirty in the morning, prep yeah. yourself for practice, do a practice that you can get done by six o'clock, and then you teach. And if you're if you're in any way good looking at all, you'll have privates the rest of the day to sustain you. <laughs> and um, I never had any privates. But then um, then yeah, you try and get to bed at eight. Oh, yeah,
0: nine eight, eight, yeah. nine's getting late. <laughs>
1: wake up at two thirty, you never
2: yeah. see anyone. You have Eileen no social life. Yeah. I've been doing that for many and she's able to do it quite an amazing bit. She but it's kids.
0: yeah, she doesn't have kids, and you, like also a lot of teachers who do it, you know, you either have to have a partner who does the same thing or be single, yeah. because otherwise yeah. your relationship dissolves too, because you never see your husband or wife because sure. they're wanting to stay up later and they don't want to get up at four yeah. in the morning <laughs> with
2: you. Yeah, I mean, I used to do it, and but I it's not again, it's just it's not sustainable. And the thing is, there is a lot of pressure, or at least there used to be in the Ishtanga community. Like there would be people like publicly stating that anybody who doesn't practice before they teach is like a very bad teacher. Yeah. But not, a true, not a true teacher, not a true practitioner. I, I think know, it's so still it's like, out
0: there, Mark. You,
1: actually, Richard <laughs> Freeman was the first person to suggest anything different to me and i told him what time i was teaching in taiwan i was like oh i start teaching at six He's like oh yeah. you should probably <laughs> practice afterward
3: yeah. i was like what
1: <laughs> what yeah you're gonna to want to sleep <laughs> and then and then one day this was a miracle i was in vegas las vegas nevada and I was driving Sherat and his family around to go to the different rides and go to the Cirque du Soleil and do all this stuff. I was, I was driving the the Cadillac Escalade for them, and I was opening up all the doors for them, making sure they got in and out of the car. And and Sherat said to me, "This was the fucking most surreal thing I'd ever heard." He said, "Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about practicing in the afternoon, you know. <laughs> I'm kind of tired." I was like. Whoa, Whoa. shut the front door. Wait a second. I was like screeched the car to a halt, you know. (laughs) Damn. Wow. He didn't do it, but that he was thinking about it meant that we could think about it. Get some sleep.
2: (laughs) Think about it, but not actually do it.
1: Not actually do it. But it was okay to think about, like, you know, have a life that
2: doesn't but I mean, but it is the problem with this Sangha practice in the sense of like if you do practice later that means you probably haven't eaten anything so like if you have taught and then you practice afterwards like you would end up not eating sometimes till midday
0: yeah Yeah. that's why I can I can really actually most days uh I don't really need to eat till noon because my body's so used to doing it doing it because since I had Jediah always I would not practice then, at three in the morning. <laughs> I would sleep and then teach and then practice and then like eat at like 1130 or noon.
2: <laughs> but, you know, I met John Scott recently, like a few years back. Yeah, And he was telling me he ended up having some serious health problems because he was doing that for so many years, really, like teaching and practicing and not eating till midday. And he was basically just had depleted himself. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really know to be honest yeah
0: but what's your routine like now mark with your new baby
2: uh it's pretty much all over the place it keeps (laughs) changing it really just keeps changing like a few weeks ago i had like a little stretch where i was like oh wow i can get back into my morning practice again i was practicing while um baby was having her breakfast and dipika was feeding her but sudden i don't know somehow that just disappeared.
3: <laughs> and now,
2: <laughs> now I'm like my mornings are pretty much with her. Like yeah. so from yeah, I get up around 6 30, just I or six between six and six thirty. And I try to just have half an hour or so before she wakes up. And so in that time I've just had I drink a coffee and write in my journal and do some breathing. Mm-hmm. Um and then, I mean, I'm always breathing, but do some <laughs> specific breathing <laughs> practice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah. I know. Do so like yeah. a little breathing practice, and maybe some meditation if there's time. But actually, even that seems to have gone. I had like for a while, I had this routine. like, yeah, 15 minutes of breath practice and another 10 minutes of vipassana, yeah. and I was getting that in. Now, the last two weeks, that's even gone. So it's like I've just got. To, I wake up, I drink my coffee and get ready and then uh, mentally for what's coming yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she wakes up and then I take her for a walk I take her outside for, you know and then I take her up onto the terrace get a little bit of sunshine
3: mm-hmm. so
2: that's all like I try to get her that's around eight o'clock in the morning take her up to the terrace and then 8 30 either give her a, a bath um, and then it's a breakfast time yeah So get mm-hmm. things ready for that and then that ends up going till about 9.30 or 10. And then that time is when typical put it to sleep.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I, I usually hang around then. And then so she usually naps around 10, 10.30, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a time to do either some practice or do some, you know, work. Yeah. Whatever, emails right. or housework or whatever, <laughs> getting things ready um then it's her lunchtime when she wakes up so 12 30 whatever so 12 31 or so is lunch mm-hmm. and little play time and she has her afternoon nap around between three and four and that's yeah. when i go and, and that's when i'm doing my main physical practice now yeah so i i go up onto the terrace and just do my thing nice. from like four till six in the sun uh have a little shady spot because okay. it's too hot at the moment. Okay. But by about five, I can go into the sun, so I get that last hour or so in the sun, which is nice. Nice.
3: I, it, I
1: haven't I haven't had a single drop of sweat since I moved to Canada. <laughs>
3: it's I've very been, dry here. I've
1: been like, can we please <laughs> where we are <laughs> convert one of these rooms into a sauna so I can experience sweating again? I would so much like to do that. I could, I could really use a lot of water weight, is what I'm trying
2: to say. Even here, it's very dry, so I don't. <laughs> even though I'm doing like a practice up there, I don't sweat too much. It's more oh, like yeah. dry heat. Yeah. 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 No. Like a light sweat, but not like, not like a mice or cell sweat. Oh, it's so nice. We're, next week, we're moving back to Bali, so we're going to get that sweat. Next week? Yeah,
0: meal. you'll yeah. get some nice oh, sweat in Bali. <laughs> you've
1: been allowed outside the country. Yeah, we've, we've wow. got a little opening, so we're taking it fantastic
0: that's great and so you guys will be living in bali now
2: yeah
1: and people two year visa and people can come find you there or are you teaching there what are you doing how can people find
2: Um, you yeah i don't think we'll be teaching straight away Um, Yeah, like don't come next
0: week and expect (laughs) you guys to be teaching.
2: You have some people sleeping on
1: your doorstep. That'd be great. (laughs) So come Um, back tomorrow.
0: (laughs) You could just keep telling them to come back tomorrow for a month.
2: (laughs) Oh, that'd be awesome. They'll be your best students ever. (laughs) I think eventually, like once we get set up and routine going and everything, then like to start teaching. But I mean, at the moment, the situation worldwide is no one's really traveling right so yeah. uh, it's not going to be like it was before no um no. i'd love to do it. i was the last few years before covid i was doing a month long or two one month intensives every year in bali mm-hmm. so hopefully and if things open up again next year we can start that again but let's let's see it's hard yeah. to know right now well so we'd I love to come see you a, yeah mm-hmm. um, meet the baby even we would love to come to Canada one day. Yeah. Got, come in uh, the summer.
3: It's yeah, warm. the summertime's
2: the best time. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> you see, I see Clint's photos and yeah. uh, it yeah. looks amazing. I mean, yeah. I've I've been to Canada a couple of times, but it was a lifetime ago back in '96.
3: hmm It's so pretty much the same, beautiful.
2: Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Banff. I was living in Banff. Yeah,
0: that's close to close to, close to where to
2: Clint Blatt, is. Right? Yeah, oh, it's it's cl- sure. right It's We're in sure it's between an hour and a half away.
0: Yeah, it's like in between yeah. where Clint is and where we are. And there's it's right nothing in
1: the between here and there.
0: Yeah. Like it's <laughs> the next
1: biggest thing to us. It's true. It's yeah, Banff. It's yeah. It's <laughs> phenomenal. Well, there's
0: Canmore, but Canmore and Banff are pretty it's close the same together. <laughs> thing. It's
1: like a little ski town outside of Banff. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: And that's yeah. what's
1: your website? how can people find you?
2: It's easy. markrobbers.com Oh, is that all? That's good. Perfect. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you and I are on the same, the same wavelength with that.
3: <laughs>
0: Straight up names.
3: That's <laughs> it. Well,
0: we want to thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. It was just so nice thank to
2: connect you. with you. How long has that been? I think I'm congratulations <laughs> to anyone who got through that.
1: oh i thought you meant like the number of podcasts we had we was like 55 this is the fifty-fifth podcast maybe that was a solid two hours and (laughs) uh, we might cut out some of my jokes i think
0: think we should do something fun like give people a prize like ask a question and then they could like get some kind of prize if they listen this long
2: people should should write in you could uh any can anyone tell us at what minute Russell says the c word. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Well,
1: what's an hour plus forty-five? That makes. I'm
0: gonna have to put one of those warnings before this one again.
2: (laughs) The c bomb.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think you'd flinch, mate. You're Australian, for (laughs) fuck's sake.
0: Okay, I I got a good question. Okay, this is so the first person who can write in the comments the answer to this question. It's cunt. No. <laughs> it's a per- it's personal. Let's see, let's see. Something that many people might not know. What's your middle name, Mark?
2: Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> Francis. Oh, that's a lovely oh,
3: name, wow. like Saint
2: Francis. All right. So yeah, what they get? exactly. I was actually named. It was named after Saint Francis. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Good Catholic. Mark Francis.
1: What? What will they Beautiful. get? What do they get? if they get the answer? We're gonna come up with that. We're gonna work on that. Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll work on it. All right, we'll We're work gonna on work it. on that
1: yeah. one. <laughs> it's it's fucking eleven o'clock here, so we're gonna to go to bed and oh, uh, yes. okay. hope you got. You have a nice day.
2: All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> love you Mark
0: thanks for being here
2: thanks so much guys
0: thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony with me your host Harmony Slater you can find out more information on my website harmonyslater.com and I look forward to connecting with you again soon
3: standing in Oh